So last week, we talked about waiting. Waiting on God and being united. Because when we wait on God and when we're united, then the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and empowers us with speech that changes the world. And, and waiting is oftentimes associated with the idea of idleness and rest. It's like, oh, well, we're just going to wait and we'll wait for God to do it because we're not going to do anything. And, and this is not the message of the New Testament. It's not the message of Acts. The message of Acts is you wait because the job required is actually way bigger than what we can shoulder on our own. You wait because we need God to lead first. And we're going to step into the action that God is doing. And God, has, God, God does two things. One, he gives rest. He gives rest to us. And we've talked a lot here at Promise Church about rest. We've talked a lot about the way that we need to rest in the presence of God. And he also empowers and strengthens us. He takes us from, from a point of rest and he says, now I'm going to empower you and I'm going to move you and I'm going to give you life in these areas that, that you are, are going to flourish and you are going to grow and you're going to lean into it. And it's going to, it's going to be amazing. It's it's going to take energy, but it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be life-giving and invigorating. And, uh, and this, is, this is the balance that God gives us, a, a balance of resting and waiting and being reborn and, and, and growing. And then on the other side, where he engages and he invigorates and he pushes us forward and he says, go forward. And today we're going to be looking at what, what is going to be happening as, as we push forward. See, our world is kind of, I, I, was, I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, just a, a mom friend of mine, and, uh, and we were talking, about, we were talking about the condition of society, and I had this image all of a sudden in my heart, and as I thought about it, I realized that it's more and more true. Our world is a rose garden. Absolute, in, in our culture right now, it is this beautiful rose garden. Things have never been so good. We have everything we could ask for, every material thing that we need. We have it all there. There's, there's limited poverty. It exists, but there's limited poverty compared to what human history has had. There is, there is access to material. There is access to information. There is accessibility for those who are marginalized, who are, who are struggling. Our world has a lot of things that look really, really pretty. But yet every single one of us knows that underneath that veneer of this beautiful rose garden, it's like it's like our rose garden, our rose garden was planted on a landfill of half-baked ideas and ideologies that got put together and, and got shoved into place that somehow the undergirding of this beautiful world that we live in is being shaken and being changed. And, and I know that this, is, that this is the way we're looking at the world. We're looking at the world and going like, yeah, it looks so nice. How could we ever improve it? And then you look underneath and you go, oh, those problems are deep. Those problems run really deep. And this is the way that the world is that we live in right now where, where we've come to a place where we see the superficial and it's beautiful. It's lovely. Technology has just done wonders for our, for our ease of life. It's wonderful. We're so grateful. And we go, why? This should be fine. But no, we, we experience so much 
um, anxiety and depression and fear and hatred and, and, and everything because something underneath it isn't right. Something underneath isn't sitting right. And what happens is we run our lives exhausted. We're just exhausted. We're like so busy. We're like keeping up, making sure this rose garden is looking good. And we're exhausted and we're tired. And we're just like, our culture is tired. We crave downtime. You come home from work and the first thing you want to do is you want to say, I just need some downtime. And you pull out your phone and you start scrolling. Or you start playing a, a, a little game. You just, I just want to check out. You watch TV. I need some downtime. And, and what has happened is where God has given us rest, we have given ourselves downtime. And, and those two things are not equal. God's rest is actually doing so much more. So something that I really want to encourage us right at the beginning is never to mistake idleness for rest. Never mistake idleness, the ability to stop for rest because God's rest actually is more directed than that. God's rest, he gives us rest not so that we can continue maintaining the rose garden, not so that we can continue doing the things that, that we, we exhaust all of our energies in, but he gives us genuine rest so that we could radically reorient our lives around God's mission and what he's doing in the world. He gives us rest. He breathes life into us so that we're able to breathe life into this world on a deep, real level, meaning the very real needs of the people that are around us. And so, so we need to understand that, yes, we rest, but we rest for a purpose that drives us towards the heart and the mission of God that says God is going to invigorate us and empower us. And now I get to my text. I apologize for the super long introduction. But we're, we're finding that God is empowering us towards something. So we're going through the book of Acts. This is our third message in the book of Acts. And so we're just honestly flying through it. And today we're talking about the mission of the church. So Acts chapter 10, 34 to 43. Something like that. Yes. 34 to 43. So, so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God has shown no partiality. But in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what's right is acceptable to him. As for the word that's been sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened through all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of that which he did, both the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day, making him appear to not, uh, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one appointed to God to be the judge of the living and dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. Oh, and just as an add-on, while Peter was saying this thing, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. 
The first thing that I want to acknowledge is in the mission of God that God rests us for and then he empowers us for, in the mission of God, right at the heart of the mission is God's mission is multicultural. God's mission is a global multicultural mission. This is, this is so key for understanding how God thinks about um, how God thinks about the salvation of people. It is multicultural because when we see, we see that, that God shows no partiality in verse 34. Therefore, we, uh, Peter opened his mouth and, and truly I understand that God shows no partiality. What's happened here is that people from a different ethnicity are starting to be invited into what was an ethnocentric religion. It was a religion that was Jewish, that was that the way you're in is because you were born Jewish, you learn Torah, and you memorize it by the time you are 13 years old. This is your heritage. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of this, after Jesus' death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit says, this is not just ethnocentric, this is a multicultural global event. When we start to, to grapple with this as a church, we start to realize that, that we have been situated in a country and a town that is newly multicultural. Bradford, 10 years ago, was not a multicultural town. Bradford, 10 years ago, was a, uh, was a Portuguese town that was very, very heavily Catholic Portuguese. That is the way this town was defined. And about 10 years ago, everything shifted here, where now, in this school, 73 languages are spoken. The mission that we have is multicultural. This is what God had in mind, where he was like every race, every nation, every people. God's revelation is to... Is um, God's re revelation embraces all who fear him and, do and does what is right. Verse 35. The church's mission is also to bear witness of Jesus' action. I've talked about this before here at Promise, and it's really important that, that we keep this in mind. One of the reasons that we do Lectio, one of the reasons that we engage with what is God saying to me here in this passage is because every time God speaks to us, every time something happens, this becomes part of our story, which we bear witness to Jesus' action. We bear witness to the fact that the living God speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We bear witness to that and we find words we find words to speak about what God has done. And, and in our culture, that becomes very challenging because, because religion has been put off into the private sphere of life. Oh, well, that's what you believe. <laughs> how many times have you wanted to speak about something that God has done and you just realize, I don't know how to approach that. How do you even talk about what God has done? Because this world goes, as soon as they hear something like that, they're just like, yep, you're crazy. You're fully crazy. And, and the reality is, is that's why we have Holy Spirit to empower our speech. Because, because as, we, as, as God empowers our speech, as God empowers our speech, we actually speak boldly and say, this is what God has done. 
Uh, you don't need to take it. But it's my experience. This is what God has done in my life. God has brought me from being, from being troubled, from being uh, hit with a whole bunch of, of, of labels as a child. God's brought me from, from, from point A, and he's brought me to point B. My testimony is real that this has happened and then that happened and your testimony is real because God took you from where you were to where you are and he's not done with you yet. He's taken you to where he's going. And so we bear witness. The mission of the church is to bear witness. Jesus' action did not stop at his ascension. God continues to work in this world. And so what... What have you witnessed in your lifetime? What things of God have you seen happen in your lifetime? What are the, what are the actual checkpoints in your story? We have somebody that comes to this church named Ray. And, and Ray is this amazing man that, and it's unfortunate he's not here. He's going to hear that I talked about him. But, but Ray tells, tells me, he goes, as I look back in my life, I can see the points in which God directed me. And he just, he tells me that again and again and again, which is why I feel bold to be able to tell that to you. Because, because he goes, my testimony says, but this happened, and then that happened, and then that happened. And God is the one who is directing us. God is the one who walks us through our life, and he teaches us and guides us. And we get to be very open with that. We're like, God has done this. As a post-Christian world struggles to identify where God is acting, our stories help fill in the gap. I was speaking to one woman at the school, WH Day, and uh, I was speaking to one woman, and, and, and she was like, all these things have happened in my life, and I feel like God's trying to do something, but I can't piece it together. If she'd been in a community that would speak openly about what God is doing, she'd be able to see, oh, God's doing this and this and this and this. So I encourage us with the, with the strength and the boldness of the Holy Spirit to have our story in place so that we can communicate. Not, not the, the formal, this is what Jesus did, but the, this is what Jesus is doing. This is, this is where we start. This is what God has done in my life. This is how God has met me. This is how God has changed me. This is how God has challenged me. The church's mission is to tell people of God's forgiveness. Today, Pastor John read Mark 2. Talked about the, the man who was let, let down. And Jesus said, which is easier to say, rise up and walk or your sins are forgiven? The presence of Jesus signifies God's forgiveness of his people. It's a big theological point, but it's a really important point. The fact that God incarnates, becomes human, and steps into the Jewish world who has lost the presence of God because of the exile, because they disobeyed God, when God says, I'm stepping into this time and space as a human, Jesus is showing his forgiveness. God is showing his forgiveness in that moment. And that's why when, when the man is, is lowered, Jesus says, go, your sins are forgiven. Because there he is in the moment, the mercy seat of God, where God meets humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. And he goes, I'm right here. 
God's presence is a signal of God's forgiveness, and it's understood in the in the um, blood of Jesus and the resurrection. So, so this is really important because because as we speak of God's presence, you simultaneously speak of God's forgiveness and God's approval. When we come into church and we experience the presence of God, we are experiencing in real time the forgiveness of God. Because God will not live, will not just be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to let that go. No, no, God actually forgives every single action that we have done. And he goes, no, I am going to be with them. I am determined to love them. I am present with them. And he shows it through Jesus Christ and, and the death and resurrection event. And so we need to tell people of the forgiveness of God. The communication that God is present in my life. God is present in my church. God is, God is wanting to be present with you. And so the invitation is there to accept the presence of God and see his hand start to reform and change our lives. And so our mission is to continue to foreshadow the fulfillment of all God's promises. God promises to be with us. His presence is his forgiveness. And he promises to make all things right. And he's going to do both of those things in the person of Jesus Christ. And what we do is we get to foreshadow it. We get to foreshadow the fact that God is active in this world. We get to foreshadow it. We get to do things like this. We do this not because it's cool to buy somebody presents, but because, because it's a simple way to show where there was lack God provides. Where there was nothing, God creates. Where there, was, where there was division, God brings unity. And so we do these things because, because this is how we foreshadow. I can't make Jesus come any faster. But I can do things that show people what the world's going to look like after Jesus has come back and made everything right. I can do little things. I can serve. We can invest. We can be involved. And so right now, there's a grander vision for this world. There's a vision that says God is building a beautiful new garden of Eden, but it's not going to be built on a trash heap. It's not going to be built on a trash heap of half-baked ideas and, and a smorgasbord of beliefs. It's going to be built on his eternal truth and presence. And it's going to be built where Revelation 21 says that, that, that the glory of God gives light to absolutely everything. And we will be his people and he will be our God. And this is our hope. So as we invest in Promise Church Grants, I encourage people in this room to, to think about what could be done in my community. What could be done in my community or in my neighborhood, on my street, to help show people a little bit more of what Jesus looks like. See, we don't gather just because we want to have a nice community. We gather on focusing and worshiping God, experiencing his presence, considering his power, understanding his forgiveness, and foreshadowing the, the fulfillment of God's promises. Devin, if you want to come back up, please. This is my heart. This is my heart about Promise Church. My heart about Promise Church is that we're a community that invests and loves the place where God has put us. That we don't live just separate lives away from everybody. We have a moment where we come together on a weekly level 
on a Sunday morning where we worship, but that we live lives that consistently keep in mind the narrative of what God is doing, that we live lives that proclaim the presence and the forgiveness of God to others. My heart is that when people think of Promise Church as a unit, they think of a place that is, that is loving, that cares, that shows the love of God. And they have tangible, real reasons to know that that's what we do. And so as, as we are still just in our infancy, we're still such a young church. I pray, God, I pray right now, that you would empower us with your spirit, with your speech, that our testimonies of an act of God would actually bear witness to the fact that you didn't leave 2,000 years ago and leave us alone, but you promised your presence with us. And Jesus, as we are formed by your presence and we're so like, God, we need you. We're, we were never the ones created to carry the whole weight. You are. When you're in it, you just touch a door and it opens. And we see you opening doors all over town. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would help us find our place where we serve, where you gave us rest to invest in so that we don't take the rest you gave us and just invest it in the exact same thing the rest of the world does. But we take the rest you give us and we invest it in your mission. Give us words. Empower our speech, Jesus. We need you. Amen.